next on the Well of Sound. Kiss. to not know a Kiss song. Even if you know who Gene Simmons is and Paul Stanley and you know what the Kiss makeup looks like, maybe you even had a Kiss t-shirt or a lunchbox. It's highly possible. That's what's one of the strangest things about this whole subject, I think, is that you, um, is that they're a band that is very, very fun to think about and read about, but the actual listening experience is a completely different scenario and a lot of times while we were preparing for this episode because i i feel like i'm a lot less familiar with kiss like going into this yeah. it was less familiar so it was a bit of a crash course for me although i'd had some we'll get to the familiarity i had some familiarity but right like um there were countless songs which were what could just generously be called disposable and um that they were clearly like written in an afternoon or something like that. And then, um, and yet I kept wanting to go back and sort of enter that world and think about these guys, these such strange characters. And you're right. You can't talk about, we can't talk to them about them at all without, without surfacing their relationship with women. And, yes. uh, I mean, I'm cracking a smile thinking about it because when I'm reading their rationales for some of the stuff that they were writing, yeah. which is like every single song had some, insane hornball image not a metaphor it's not an it's an it's a that's my favorite thing by the way is the fact that for for like a half second you go is this song a metaphor or no 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 it's 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 really about uh the ladies room yeah it's really about the it's really about room service taking a sort of you know yeah penthouse direction i thought uh gene simmons says our music is very honest gut level straight ahead stuff when you're talking about a strutter you're not talking about other levels of reality i mean that's uh (laughs) you're not there's no um there's no meta there's there's no second layer to the onion and yet and yet and yet and yet i i always wonder every time i come to to that conclusion uh that there is no meta i go are they fucking with me you you know the question sooner or later i'm sure was uh, bound to come up what does it all mean at the end i don't get this i i thought life was supposed to be about living and I love, I mean, candy's not supposed to be good for you, but so what? It tastes great. And 50 years from now, I want to know that I've done everything, every whim that I imagine. Because when I'm 60 and 70, it's too late. I've got a nice, happy home. I've got my 2.5 kids. I've got my car. I go to church on Sunday. I do all that stuff. I don't go to church on Sunday. I, I do all that stuff, and I look back, and I'm bored. And I don't want to ever have that thought ever creep into my mind, which is why, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to live it. I think it's pretty interesting. If you look back at um, sort of the the two parts of this band, meaning... Um, tell the story? Yeah, a little bit, because I feel like it's, it's, it's pretty essential. So Gene and Paul um, both essentially grew up lonely and bullied. Um, 
and I, I feel like, and, and lived in fantasy worlds, you know, separately uh, of their own. And I think that that sort of has a lot to do with Neither of with them the are band. named Gene or Paul. No, 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 of course not. <laughs> There's Stanley, yeah. Stanley Eisen, right. and Kayim something, because Gene Simmons is... Wits, maybe? Wits. I mean, yeah. they're both, he was actually from Israel. Right. Grew up in Israel until he was eight, and then his mother uh, brought him over to the States. She she survived the Holocaust uh, with her brother. She saw her mother and grandmother killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so it, th- this is sort of a true American story. This bo- little boy comes over to New York to live and says, you know, he went into grocery stores and, and was blown away by the amounts of food. And, and basically everything that is america uh you know he 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 saw potential in that's his story um and uh but the uh, the interesting part i i think is that so his mother was out working constantly you know single mother and so he was left to his own devices uh picked on and 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 just lived in a world of horror movies and and books and and sort of self-taught um and then paul stanley uh, had a deformity uh, as a child and was picked on and uh, probably had, you know, fantasies of... He, he's in that Tom Snyder interview, that which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point, he talks about wishing he was a vigilante on a horse. You should see what I wear on the street. <laughs> Nothing. I don't know. I, when I was a kid, I always had this, this dream of becoming a crime fighter, but there was never any call for it. I always wanted to be on a, a stallion overlooking the Long Island Expressway with my hair blowing back fighting crime but just didn't work but yet they manifest that eventually they they definitely do so so then they meet these other two characters yeah they recruit these other two maniacs they're the um, true i mean they're all maniacs they're all maniacs in different um, ways exactly i mean you know uh paul and gene are driven and 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 sort of sh- shape the vision of the band more and more peter chris is this like uh gangster loving uh italian american uh kid from queens or, or or brooklyn i'm not sure um who just wants to be in a band man and it, he it plays sounds like drums. he had a really he grew up in like the worst section of brooklyn or something like that right like was, and uh, the same with ace freely who, who's the lead guitarist who basically he was in a band called the uh ducky boys i think like this is something out of the warriors he was like in a irish street gang i know it's it's like mean streets cross with the warriors what these guys yeah and eventually they'll sort of bring all that stuff into the 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 imagery of the of the band but so it's clear that that the beatles are a strong influence this foursome these unique identities within the band um, and these straightforward rock and roll songs, and they come together at a time when New York Dolls are are sort of the the it uh, band on the scene um, as far as like rock clubs go. And if if those first three albums were the only albums, like you'd kind of believe they were just like legit glam rock, uh, uh, a legit glam rock band. Yeah, I mean, we would be like discovering their records would be. I just have a complete. I'd have a completely different view of totally. those first three records. Although those first three records fit an aesthetic, even though it's like a crumbling aesthetic in a, in an interesting way. It's like their aesthetic in those first three records is that of like late seven, mid to late seventies New York, which is just right. 
um, sloppy, st- sloppy, dirty, slimy, um, but it's got an irrepressible charm to it. Right. But kind of a little dangerous, you know. Yeah, they're like, lurking around at night like monsters, essentially. Yeah, like they're, it, they're painting their faces like I remember that. them saying, like, they went and saw Alice Cooper and, and they loved Alice Cooper, but they're like, you know, but there's only one guy up there with makeup on. Right. We should have a band where all where there's four Alice Coopers. Right, right. And that's um, one, of ha- one of the ways that that was adopted. And so they, so Gene and Paul were, had sort of a first crack at it. Of course, you're never going to get the straight story with any of these guys, but, um, you know, I, they say that they didn't like the direction of this first band called Wicked Lester, which essentially is like a folk rock band with, it's, it's a Jethro Tull sort of rip off. It's a pretty good name, though. I think Wicked, Wicked like Lester. Lester. <laughs> Wicked Lester. Should we play She, which is a Wicked Lester yeah, song sure. that becomes a Kiss song? Um, you'll, you'll, hear, uh, you'll hear a bit of flute in oh here. Oh, my goodness. walk away from a record deal with with as part of that band i i don't know why but evidently they had somewhat of a clearer vision of what they wanted to be this sort of like monster chuck berry band essentially this sort of creepy sounding um slightly creepy sounding i right. i i don't think this it's there on the edges of those first three records right. and there's you know the song they're never legitimately hell. like hard no i um this is interesting. Pete Townsend was, uh, there's a quote that he has about them because, you know, Paul Stanley was obsessed with Pete Townsend. That's his great hero, yeah. guitar wise. Right. Um, uh, he said, Kiss are straight out of Cream Magazine meets Las Vegas or New Orleans. Kiss is a very American kind of Mardi Gras thing. They couldn't have happened in England. Maybe they could have happened in Berlin, in which case their music wouldn't have been like their music. They would have looked like they look, but they would have made a different kind of music. Mm. Kiss are a very American phenomenon. As a result of that, I haven't really sat and listened to their music, but maybe I should. What he means is that any... Any like Brit- or British or, or German band that would go to those lengths or that kind of... That that kind of grotesque thing would also have music that was more like Captain Beefheart or something like that. Right. Or uh, their their music was so um, regular. I mean, yes. it's like it's basically it's a bit of a letdown. I was talking it, to somebody the other a musician the other day, and he essentially said the same story that that I did of like I knew who Kiss was, I was into everything, and then I heard it, and it was kind of like eh, these guys kind of suck, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then he went on to say, yeah, but there are a couple. There's Parasite and there's Deuce and you know he started talking about like all the songs that these things get their hooks in you these songs. Mm-hmm. 
They did have good song titles. I'll give them that. God damn right. <laughs> I mean, the, the the title Deuce. I mean, that's the song, and like no one really knows what it means. Like even Gene doesn't know what he was thinking. Usually, uh, something sexual. Yeah. I'm sure, but then sure. Strutter is an incredible a cold gin. Cold gin, I mean, an the, ace classic. But like Parasite, you're right. Strange ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, you know, Rock Bottom. There's all these <laughs> songs where you think that maybe they came up with the title first. Okay, so it was a bit of a revelation for me to hear the very first album. I think Chuck Klosterman, who wrote this incredible, you know, like unbelievably piece of enter- entertaining piece of uh, it's hilarious. music journalism about this unbelievably entertaining band. It's like the perfect writer meets the perfect subject. And um, he, he says that, you know, if Kiss had sort of all died in a car crash after the first record, they would have been hailed as like the New York, second coming of the New York Dolls. And they would have been these progenitors of punk and everything like that. But it didn't turn out that way. <laughs> Paul Stanley has a line that Gene is kind of convinced that he everyone that he's this incredible businessman. But yeah. he said Gene's <laughs> finest his Gene's finest triumph as a businessman is convincing everyone that he's a great businessman. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have him, but he and Paul are both absurdly ambitious. Right. But Paul is more a bit more of a musician. Yeah. Not much. Not much. Gene is the bassist. Paul is the rhythm guitarist. Ace is the is the uh, he's the star man. Ace Space Ace, and right. he's the lead guitarist. Right. And so his story is he he grew up in a very musical family, um, but he never learned <laughs> to read music. In fact, none of them know how to read music. Um, <laughs> but uh, Ace really always throws that out there and and sort of leaned into guitar and. I mean, the stuff he does is is I as far as I'm concerned the highlight of the band. When it's when you're not laughing at at, at sort of the ridiculousness of the of the band, um, you are admiring. I think uh, Ace's guitar work. Um, it's sloppy a lot of the times, and there's stolen riffs for sure. But, but man, awesome. he's he's got some some real spirit in there. Um, those other two guys are so driven, and I feel like have such an agenda with with um the identity of the band and and ace and peter in in particular i just don't think we're totally on board with what gene and uh uh, paul want wanted from the band and eventually it just became the problem of the band and they certainly never even if they were at the beginning they never dreamed the extent right that paul and gene when they said they want to be the biggest band in the world they weren't just talking about having huge hits. In fact, it turns out they weren't talking about that at all. They were talking about making a, a sleeping with the most women right. and and uh, selling the most merchandise. There's so many people who have this dream of what it would be like to be up there and having all these people screaming your name even before you start the song. You do the first chord on the guitar. There are people who just are dying just to. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Well. <laughs> And so, what does that do to your head? You know, you think you're... I mean, it's obviously what we got in this for in the first place. Anybody who tells you the story of uh, wanting to impart some greater knowledge on, in, <clears throat> to humanity is really not really telling the truth. The reason we first started strumming guitars is because we wanted women, and lots of them. It's, uh, and their daughters. It's great. And probably their granddaughters. <laughs> 
Klosterman says that they sort of declared themselves to be the biggest band in the world, even though, like at the time, Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles sold way more right. records. And but they declared they they were so that their self belief was so brash. <laughs> And in uh, kind of infectious that he's it, Klosterman's like reality was just sort of inclined to agree after a while, right? And uh, they they made it palatable for for people to like them. I think you know you've got a really entertaining act on stage. Eventually, they're setting stuff on fire. They've got you know they, Gene has got a long, amazing tongue that he wiggles every chance he can get, and blood spills out of his mouth, and. He's he's dancing like a robot, and they're shooting fireworks off on stage. Like, what's not to love? The, you animatro- know? the animatronic phase is pretty unbelievable. It's That's nineteen seventy six or so. Yeah, yeah. So the next two albums are Hotter Than Hell and Dressed to Kill, right? Yeah, and Hotter Than Hell. Let's play a song from there. Um, I kept reading about how bad its production was, but I didn't quite believe it. You know, <laughs> I thought it might be charming bad production, but it's really bad production. What I mean, it's like uh, it, it sounds considerably. It doesn't sound. People's like, oh, it sounds like demos. This sounds worse, much worse than demos. <laughs> I would say even the demos that I found sound great. How could they than not hell sound better? Like than, and but and yet, crap. the great song for me off that record is going blind. Oh, thank God you said that. And it actually, I read what Gene was saying about it. He's like, he kind of prefers this sort of weird drum. The drums are so compressed, they sound like they're a drum machine. But it, it's kind of incredible. Let's, let's play, let's play, let's play oh. going blind. Actually, often does sound like he's a non-native uh, English speaker when he when he writes his lyrics. Biba, <laughs> that's my favorite thing about Kiss is Gene refuses to say baby. He says Biba. <laughs> he's uh, that song kind of fulfills the promise of their image. True, but it's it also, also nonsense. Like, <laughs> that's also the song that where it comes out that it's he says, "I'm 93 and you're 16." 16. It's funny and. Uh, 
I think I'm going blind. And I think I'm going blind. And it's unclear what he's breaking up. The 93-year-old's breaking up with the 16. And in this case, someone as Klosterman says, what is it, an autumn-summer romance or something like that? Or winter-summer romance? It's complete nonsense. And it's like, well, that was just them being like, okay, let's make the guy 93. For what? And 17 would have fit the meter of the song a lot better if there had been an extra syllable in there. But no, 16. What do you get from creating this image in a young boy's head of a 93 year old and a 60 what who does that who's fantasizing who's that about that uh, anyway and i think i'm going blind is <laughs> is the conclusion what what is that even is that's another case of is rules. this metaphor or is he literally going blind i, I don't know i'm pretty sure it's just literal i think i uh i think that song rules though I love that song. I like it's one I mean, of the so songs I keep coming back to. I've right. listened to all the versions of it. Great example of it's just stupid <laughs> and yet amazing. Epic. Stupid with the spelled S T O O two O's. P I D. Maybe P U D. Um so you yeah. know, as far as the, the the timeline to the band goes, um, they have these three albums that don't sell well. We've we've sort of in all the bands we've talked about this this is a recurring uh, theme, especially for Cheap Trick, uh, Little Feet, and now Kiss, unappreciated albums, and then they do a live album that captures the spirit of the band and they skyrocket. That's interesting, isn't that? Yeah, Alive is is the name of the live band. I mean, live album, and. Uh, you know everything is 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 there for you to enjoy from packaging you get these wonderful concert color performance photos of them and and you know if you're uh 13 and have a record player you're just staring at those that that album they all look so cool in the cover they look so cool they never got cooler than that that cover and um and then all the elements are are um there for you to enjoy the ace guitar uh paul you know his little screaming monologues of uh i heard you guys like vodka and orange juice (laughs) talking of leading up to cold gin i was talking to somebody backstage before and they would tell me there's a lot of you people there that like to drink vodka and orange juice. Yeah. I'll tell you something. When you're down in the dumps and you need something to bring you up, there's only one thing that's going to do it the way you want it. What's that? I can't hear you. Cold shit. It's just all the stuff. All the stuff is in that album. And it turns out, uh, as the book that I read, they say that it was almost all recorded in the studio. Yeah. Like, they um, they were so unhappy with the sound of the first three records, especially the second two, that they went back and they got Eddie Kramer, who had been one of Jimi Hendrix's engineers at Electric Ladyland, and they kept the noise. It's a Detroit show, which you can watch the videos of, and the videos are fascinating. The videos are awesome from that show, from Coba Hall, I think. And he... Um, they kept the drums and the crowd noise and a few of Ace's guitar parts, but pretty much everything else was overdubbed. Which gets really to... It was to as the, live as it needed to be. Right. It, and gets to the sort of the heart of, of how I feel about the band is that I never know what to believe. You know what I mean? <laughs> is this genuine? Is this arch? Is this ironic? What's happening here? You, you like, can't trust anything with these guys. And and I actually think that that's the sort of enduring element that makes them a mystery. 
Yeah, there. It. I was thinking about it. You know, I filtered a lot of things through my, like a Beach Boys paradigm, and um, it's as though uh, instead of there being a Brian Wilson and a Mike Love, there were two Mike Loves, <laughs> and the rest, the, the two other guys who were basically Al Jardine, and uh, maybe you could call Ace like a Carl Wilson on a good day. But it was right. It was uh, Mike Love's always selling you something, right? And you kind of like it because he's good at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, what he's selling is kind of fun, right? But Ace and they're not selling bad stuff. No, they're Gene, not Gene and Paul are selling something, and they're selling something kind of cool, and they like the. Uh, but they're always. It's almost like a contract, like you know, and that's like you know when when Mike Love would do songs about you know uh, Little Deuce Coops, right. it wasn't a metaphor. It was about the actual car. <laughs> The you know the Deuce Coops or the yeah. 409 or something it wasn't there was and anyway but I was thinking about that it's kind of like what would what it would have been like if right because in the early days Mike Love was also making pretty good music right so yeah Alive comes out so I mean yeah like you said it's it's I mean it's it's a clean rock and roll package it's just that it it it's it's slathered in darkness and and what appears to be devil worship which it's the farthest thing from I mean, it's so tame compared to what to come later and you find i mean again you listen to the music and it is so bubblegum surprisingly pedestrian yeah yeah and aggressively regular yes. it's like it's like let's let's take some stone songs and uncomplicate them <laughs> and uh maybe throw in a shouting chorus that has three notes in it right and uh it doesn't really have much of a tune right the verses are the best part and then We'll have Ace will do some incredibly kick-ass solo right. in like the second half of the song where you like your ears perk up. And you're like, this is great. Yes, exactly. That's, That's what, what kept happens. happening to me. Like I was listening. Okay, so rock. You keep and- waiting, and they keep giving you little worms along the way. And it and it th- that's enough. I there's guess a, there's a little and they're short or compact. They're still like yeah. two and a half minute songs. So we get to Destroyer. Um, Destroyer, which is their uh, kind of. They decide to mix it up. They love Alice Cooper so much that they get Bob Ezrin, who's the producer who worked with, with Alice Cooper, right, to come and work with them and expand their sound, right? Right. And so, from what I understand, this was a a, a huge learning experience for the band. I think Ezrin essentially. So there's there's quotes from from the guys, um, basically saying that Ezrin got out a chalkboard and a pointer and was like. This is see exhibit A. This is how you make music properly, <laughs> and this and that, and sits them down. Basically, teaches them all how to actually play their music, and so th- they couldn't fake it anymore. Mm. Um, at least with this guy, um, you know, he's he's he was a guy who played all instruments and a visionary producer. Um, he's not my favorite. He has a a cocaine sheen to a lot of his work um, that. Uh, kind of gives me a headache um he did the wall there's no warmth in, in ezrin yeah it's, I, there's I a clinical like. distance yeah uh but uh 
the result so he sort of also for as far as the songwriting goes he forces them to not be literal and actually you know go for metaphor or um uh, well, a think, subtext i think his line was like well, you have to write a song that's not about getting laid yeah exactly like, that is the and only it was a requirement. struggle it was like what <laughs> what? Shoot, what do we do what do and we detroit do? rock city was the was their like crowning jewel and that they decided they finally wrote a song that was not about like a groupie or their you know their organs yes you know it was it was a real attempt to describe like a rock and roll experience and it begins with these sound effects again he kind of knows he's dealing with a cinematic feeling band right they never had any of those elements so he like actually puts it on the tape so again as far as them being vessels um i think ezrin came in from the point of view of like these guys have some potential here as far as characters go and he basically wanted to sort of craft an album with the characters of kiss and so it's it's very much i feel like an ezrin vision i mean he shaped in the end he was the decision maker they all had to come to him and he said yes or no and you know and 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 that was clearly his stipulation for working with them yes gene and paul are such strong yeah, Such I think he strong asked, tack maskers. He's basically I had to make all the decisions on this. Yeah, I think he asked Paul Stanley, "Do you like your first three albums?" To which Paul Stanley said, "Like, yeah," you know. And Ezrin was like, "Okay, well, when you're ready to to move on, I'm here." And that's how they ended up with him. Interesting. I mean, that so they've, you've got on that record though. You do have. I kind of like God of Thunder. Um, hey, can I play something for you? Yeah, please. I'm gonna play you God of Thunder, uh, the demo version. And it has none of the layering uh, of of all the sort of cinematic stuff that Ezrin puts on it, um, including like kids doing his kids doing exorcist voices and and all the stuff and the reverb and all that stuff. And in fact, he slows down the the rhythm and the and the guitar on on the album version of God of Thunder. But here's the demo version. <laughs> heard that background vocal isn't that great um that's a good song it's a good song i mean it's it's not like i dislike the i like the recorded version too i really like i really like beth man (laughs) i gotta say like i I think that this is one of the things i found out about uh kiss listening to them a bunch i think peter chris has the best voice of the of the all four of them and he gets a lot of he he gets he gets basically dumped on nonstop, non-stop. In, in the book. I think uh, he was a pain in the ass. Yeah, I, think I mean he they're was all pains. Super the erratic and, and uh, alcoholic and just a misanthrope. But um, and even Gene at one point says that he likes the 
that what actually comes out of Chris's uh, Peter Chris's mouth, he likes that tone yeah, the best. True. But he, they all say that he didn't have any control over it. He was undisciplined, and basically, I think he was just high and not a great drummer. The and, the, the drum solos from Alive are <laughs> brutal. They're hard. It's basically, I'm just gonna keep the, the I'm gonna keep the bass drum going. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I like his voice and I like the song Beth. I, it has very little to do with Kiss. True, and I'm, it's their it, surprise hit, so it surprises all of them. In fact, Destroyer's not doing that well on the charts when it first comes out, and Beth is a B-side on Detroit Rock City. And Ezrin sort of says it's it. He knew that it was a hit because he had this idea in mind, which is why he sort of softened all the literal stuff, uh, the songwriting. Um, is that they could be expansive and, and include women in their audience and not just 15-year-old boys, which was what was happening during that Alive um, period. And I'll be right home to you I think I hear the calling Oh, Beth, what can I do? Beth, what can I do? Yeah. Um, and Chris, and so they Chris, blow had, up. Chris had, uh, you know, Peter Chris had written that song with a friend, and then Ezrin, I guess, rewrote it. Yes, or at least Ezrin takes credit for it. He takes credit for a whole lot, a whole but it lot. sounds like he's a control well, freak. So, if we go back to God of Thunder, so what we just heard was Paul Stanley vocals on actually a Paul Stanley song, and on the album version, Gene Simmons sings it, and that's because uh, Ezrin was like, "This is a Gene." character song therefore gene will sing it and paul was like but, but i wrote a song about god <laughs> i mean the gene and uh and paul um relationship is not by any means a smooth one no. what, what i mean he wasn't gene wasn't even invited to paul's wedding in 2005 i find out like okay. he's there's all sorts of complications there but they respect each other as sort of like brand ambassadors but you right. know i i one of the lovable things about this group is that their biggest hit and i'm sure it is totally the consternation of paul and gene their biggest hit is both written and sung by peter chris who they both couldn't stand and then their logo which is like the defining thing is something ace designed in like 20 seconds in the back of a car right and so paul takes credit for like redesigning it and then you also find out, yeah, of course. Yeah. And then later on, like the of the solo albums that come out, we'll get there. But um, Aces does by far the best. True. And so you have, and it is the best, frankly. But it's like with Mike Love, like no one would be interested in a Mike Love solo record, but Mike Love is the one keeping the Beach Boys going. Right. If it were up to Ace, if it were up to Brian Wilson, if it was up to Ace and Peter, right, they'd all be dead in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> or like none of these records would have happened. It sounds from what from, I mean. Ace is the guy. Ace is the guy who you know just was known for throwing all of his furniture. He said he threw hundreds of televisions out of hotel windows. He's the guy that apparently, he claims at least, that he's the one who superglued all of his uh, hotel furniture to his roof. Right. That's, Aces takes credit for that, which is like the ultimate rock Rock band star thing. It's, it's, it's a Keith Moon-esque uh, uh, thing to do. I mean, he, he, li- he you know... There's a reason why he was the one who wrote the song Cold Gin. You know, he <laughs> was a drunk, man. And he couldn't stand... He, they, the, the story that they gave the public is that 
Ace didn't have great balance. Well, guess why he didn't have great balance? <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, so Rock and Roll Over is the next album and basically sort of a reaction to, uh, I think, being handled by Ezrin for so long. I mm-hmm. think they were maybe a little bit scared of what they had uh, created and, and so they backed off it a little bit. It's it's pretty middle of the road, but there is Hard Luck Woman, another Peter Chris vocal, which you must love. Yeah, I love that song. and and But Rock and Roll Over, I mean, the I Want You is a great Kiss song, I think. Yeah. Um, none of these songs are particularly, you know, calling Dr. Love, Ladies Room, <laughs> Love Them and Leave Them, which yeah, has got probably the most there. deplorable I meet lyrics. you, meet you in the ladies room. But all of these songs... They have like a, a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and then like Ace comes out like a you know like he's on fire, and he <laughs> with these proto like pre Eddie Van Halen solos, yeah. and people always talk about his, nasty his bends, like yeah, his, the dinosaur his bends. bends. They're uh, they're really unbelievable. So like um, I don't know what maybe we should can we play them? Uh, Mr. Speed has an incredible solo in it. Other things like that, though, where he just comes in and, and elevates the song. Right. Um, that had a little Stonesy vibe there. It's, it's, they all it's have a Ron, Stonesy vibe. Ron Wood <laughs> action going on. Yeah. Um, so Love Gun comes next. Okay. Which, uh, for the longest time, Love Gun was probably my favorite favorite Kiss song. I think as a result of of doing research for this. Uh, my Love favorite God. has changed, but it builds to a hell of a climax with yeah, with a- between. Peter's solo and uh, an ace. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean that whole record is is pretty incredible. I mean, I would say <laughs> you got Plaster Caster on there again. <laughs> wish it was a metaphor. <laughs> it's not a metaphor. It's, it's about a, a groupie who would use plaster of Paris to um, uh, commemorate all of the, the men with whom she uh, had her her her, her dalliances. Ooh, and uh, I don't. And apparently, the, the real woman existed and was upset that Gene had written the song because she had never taken a plaster caster of him. Of his anatomy, oh, really? uh, but he was like, "Well, I was I was writing the song about you know it was a fantasy that you would do," and he always hides behind all these fantasies. Like, but who's who's having these fantasies, Gene? He's basically fantasizing that women are fantasizing about him. That's what's always he going loves some on. fantasy. We didn't even mention the song "Great Expectations" off of oh, uh, off of Destroyer, which is a Gene imagining a woman in the audience watching them and wishing that what they were doing to their instruments uh, that they were actually doing to her. And you feel what my fingers can do And you wish you were the one I was doing it too Well listen You've got great You've got great 
Ezrin um, talks about the recording of it because to record it, they ended up getting a, a choir. Yeah, like a boys, like Brooklyn boys a choir. Brooklyn boys choir. And he says, we called it, it was something like the Grand Kiss Orchestration and Choral Session. The band attended in their new Destroyer costumes and full makeup. The orchestra was dressed in tuxedo t-shirts and the Brooklyn boys choir were in traditional African dashikis. Uh, I had my entire staff in tuxedos, and I wore a white tie and tails, top hat, and a cape. It was a real spectacle. Imagine that uh, picture, and then superimpose it on the uh, ultra-misogynistic lyrics, macho vocal performance, and the mock classical arrangement on the song, which borrowed shamelessly from Beethoven's uh, sonata, uh, by the way. I laugh every time I hear it. It was, <laughs> it was audacity elevated to an art form. And big surprise, they turned it into a press event. Yeah. They invited journalists to come. It was audacity elevated into an art form. That kind of captures... So that's it, yeah. right? I mean, that's what you, in the end, whether you like it or not, that's what you actually end up enjoying about Kiss. Yeah, and I, I do enjoy Love Gun. And the song that I enjoy the most on Love Gun, and this is going to tip my hat here, I think Shock Me is unbelievable. And it's, uh, it's Aces, I mean, it's Aces like... First song where he sings. First song after uh, how many albums is that? Like I mean, he's been writing songs. He, he was wrote Cold Jenner apparently, but was... or according to Paul, Ace came up with one riff, <laughs> and like <laughs> he and Gene actually wrote it, of course. Of but, course, uh, Ace. Uh, yeah, he'd been writing songs on it. He wrote um, Strange Ways, I think. Yeah, he, he wrote a bunch of tunes. Um, he wrote Flaming Youth. Yes, or at least part of it. Um, <laughs> and uh, so Ace had been completely on Destroyer. Ezrin essentially wrote his Ace's solos. Okay, and Ace was known. Right, he would sing. He he would sing them to them, and and then they'd have to learn it. I think initially. Is that how it worked? Yeah. Well, I just know that the solos are good, and I sometimes even great on that record, but they don't sound like Ace Fraley. True. And um, Ace was known for his spontaneity, which just is basically code word for the weather, depending on how drunk he was. Yes. But he would. Um, so he uh, rock and roll over. He's back to his kind of amazing soloing, and then Love Gun. He lets it rip, and especially on Shock Me, right? I Which is is the lyrics are not that inspiring. <laughs> However, it's, it's based on a uh, it's based on a his experience of being electrocuted. <laughs> That's the whole thing. <laughs> I was electrocuted. I almost threw a bomb up at me. That's not fun. I've been laughing this whole show. In Miami, I touched the railing, which was metal at the time, and the, the railing wasn't properly grounded. And I, everybody in this, everybody in this group knows I almost died that night. I was. We finished that I show. I passed though. out. My, I couldn't for the rest of the show. There was no feeling in my fingers. It was a close call. Close then I guess a near-death experience was finally enough for him to be like, you know what? I'm going to start singing these songs. Um, should we play it? Yeah, let's play it. But can I? Can I? Can we play the uh, version from Kiss Alive Two? Do it. Do it. Okay, this is Alive Two. Come on and shock me.
yeah, we, Love Gun's a good record. It is, and then we get um, a uh, their stunt of all releasing um, solo albums. Okay, let's talk about this. Yeah, uh, I I think it it they say it it had to happen. I totally believe it. It's it's you know with the exception of Ace, you've got three guys that all want the spotlight and all want respect and think that they can do it better than the other one, mm-hmm. and so that's what you get. And again, you know. Uh, 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 poetic justice. Ace is the one who sells the best, and he's the, the one who. Well, he's the one that they were trying to placate mainly because he couldn't stand the other guys, right? Uh, or he, he liked Chris, but he sort of wanted out, right? And they knew that because of the foursome, it was like such a. That's the other thing they've sort of made a deal with the devil in that the each they're they're a complete package, and and Gene and uh, P, uh, Paul know that they need the other guys to basically have kiss eventually they'll sort of figure out how to do without those guys but and until they could figure it out um they'd have other musicians sub in um for ace or peter in future albums depending on you know what sort of antics were going on the fans are showing up to see all four of them yes um so they release these four records on the same day they ship like a million copies so there's 250 thousand copies each even though they all end up getting shipped back because no one buys peter chris's record peter chris is has has um more in common with uh like late 70s barbara streisand and barry gibb (laughs) than he does with you know like heavy metal and i can even call that that those those records yeah there's that, nothing uh, long, he, wrong that, with it uh, i mean Gibney he should be like you know doing vocal accompaniment with like manhattan tra- transfer or something <laughs> yeah it's uh, then that's one of the things about those four records cuz i'm convinced after after making a after making a careful study <laughs> of these four records that had they taken that material and taken it down to one record they would have had their their single greatest album I, that, that's, a, that's a that's a bold claim to make. Well, that's a nice playlist to make. But I've got the, the playlist the that I've that I've made. It has only one Chris song, but it's got the one that the is, one that's never mentioned in all of the other stuff. But you turned me on to it. I can't stop the rain is a fantastic song, sung, and it's got the best line of like almost all of them. It takes a witch to curse that goddamn sky. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means. But like meaning that's the only way I could stop the rain because you right. left me or something. But it's beautifully delivered. It could have fit. It, if Beth could fit, that could fit. Right. Um, you have uh. Ace's uh, record, which is just awesome. Awesome. It's a fantastic late 70s rock and roll record. And it feels like it's new. I mean, it has got New York Groove, which is one of the great anthems of that city, but it's got the whole record feels tough. It feels street. It doesn't feel like the plastic uh, kiss thing that was No, going it's real. On. That's and he played the thing. everything. That's the thing that you get with Ace is all of a sudden he'll hit you with essentially what what he's he's trying to deal with you know his he's working his emotions out whereas everybody else is dealing paul and gene are dealing with fantasy scenarios and peter is dealing with the fantasy of being a crooner essentially and ace meanwhile is is saying um you know uh, i don't know how to express myself (laughs) (laughs) i'm dealing with three maniacs and like i'm drunk all the time and and help me 
help me. Rip it out. Rip it I'm out. I'm snow blind. I'm snow blind. And it's I'm not in the just, ozone. It's not just cocaine. I'm snow blind. For, yeah, I'm in the ozone. It's it's a cry of the heart, but it, there's it's it's tough. I I find that that record when when I hear that record, I kind of and maybe this is a romantic thing because he's sort of the overlooked or something like that. But I I find that I it catapults me into a, a different arena of my listening life like i'm listening to almost like a guns and roses record where it's there's some danger to it there's it's no longer for kids mm-hmm. and um i got it i found it i was looking for it um the lyrics from i'm in need of love which is the second to last track <laughs> on his solo album not just i need love or please love me it's i'm in need of love that's why i think the in need is it kind of ups the desperation somehow. It does. And, and here's, here's uh, a, a few lyrics. It's just that devil in me that keeps on coming through all the time. When things start looking good, some things start looking blue. I'm in need of some love. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, but, you know, uh, Paul's record's got some great stuff on it. He's clearly at this point listening to the Raspberries a lot, and I think that's a great thing. It might not be a good thing for Kiss fans, but I, yeah. there's some like there's a couple songs on his record. There's a power ballad called, like, Together as One or something like that. Some, and there's, I mean, it's all ridiculous because it's mostly songs about how women want to sleep with him and he's okay with that there's a song called move on which is honestly move on is about his mother sitting him down when he's a kid and saying don't settle for one don't let one lady tie you down son whatever just what i mean this is all mama's boys this is a talk that happened never yeah uh from anyone but it's basically go out there and just use all the women you can find And then Simmons' uh, solo record uh, is weird. It's got this strange Disney cover of uh, When You Wish Upon a Star, but it's got some... I like Radioactive. I See You Tonight's you know, pretty good. I, uh, Man of a Thousand Faces about Lon Chaney's. I like that song. So I think Gene Simmons' solo album is a trip. I think it's a total enjoyable ride from beginning to end. And the truth is, I like his vocals, man. I... I I really enjoy a Gene song when I hear it, but this one is weird. Yeah, it's, it's in a good way. It's eccentric what a solo album should be. But of course, it, it wouldn't be a Kiss album, <clears throat> excuse me, without um, a track like Living in Sin. I'm living in sin at the Holiday Inn. At the Holiday Inn. Yeah, yeah. Living in sin. I think that he said that someone use that phrase and he's like oh that's a song <laughs> that's a song like that's all it takes for them to get their excitement about writing a song it really is i mean we i'm gonna put this out there to you i love the way that ace sort of talks sings yeah um i think chris has got the best vocals in the band i think he's actually got the best timbre or whatever you know emotional mm-hmm. connectivity but uh i like gene's vocals uh after that, I, th- I and I prefer them to Paul's. Basically, I think Paul's a terrible singer. I like, agree. I think uh, he's got a lot of ambition. He's fun to listen to. Oh, I, I, I like when I was looking for the playlist for the four solo albums. I ended up adding like five of the Paul songs because they're they're good sort of power pop anthem songs. Right. But the, none of them get under my skin in the way that like uh, "Rip It Out" or uh, 
you know, I, I like having them there, but I still think he's a, um, he wants to be a better singer so badly. <laughs> so badly. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, do you want to, is there anything from those solo albums you want to play? Well, let's uh, play uh, Snowblind for a second. How about that? Do it. It's so hard to feel right there. When I'm traveling around and you fall behind God, I wish I could see my lady Girl, I hope you don't mind Cause I'm snowblind I can't see a thing I'm snowblind I don't wanna sing I'm snowblind I need a familiar face I'm snowblind Bronx accent sort of comes through. Yeah, it's good stuff. But that's yeah. Then they then they get they keep going. So yeah, <laughs> they keep going. But they they essentially uh, right about there. Um, Peter Chris is is less and less committed to the band. Um, but they're less and less committed to him. Yeah, but they're 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 keeping his image around, but basically using it, starting to use a different drummer. Uh, a Dynasty is the next album. Uh, I actually think uh, this, so. That was this was a discovery for me. I didn't really know that album, and I think there's some fun stuff on there. Um, sure, no, no, something. That's a good. Yeah, song. sure, no, something is good. Hard times. Uh, you got hard times, which is an ace song about his his mean streets days. Um, Magic touch. But the great, the the famous song off that record is, of course, "I Was Made for Loving You." Which, what does your daughter say when you when she played it for him for her? Great. This is going to be stuck in my head forever. <laughs> it's totally that totally describes it. So it's their sort of um uh nod to disco at in the disco time. Ace hates it because all it has is this chugga 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 um guitar riff and he said it hurts his hand. Mm. Um and uh uh but it's not a bad song. I think it's one of their most popular actually. Um but anyway, so the song sh- charisma is pretty 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 it's a nadir. It's pretty awful. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's basically Gene Simmons wondering aloud, what is it about him that has so much <laughs> charisma to the ladies especially? Like, what is it? Oh, is it my Gene. fame? Is it the way I play my guitar? Is it my tongue? I mean, he's just that the whole, he only contributes two songs, and that's the depth, that's as far as it goes. Anyway. Charisma. So they essentially, they, they fire Peter shortly um, after Dynasty. Um, but they put him on the cover of the next record. They do, which the cover of the next record and the next record itself, for me, has become my favorite Kiss album. The next record is called Unmasked, and the cover is such a, uh, a, a tease. It, it's, it, it could only lead to disappointment. The title is called Unmasked after 10 years of being uh, only seen in public with uh, masked faces. They say, we're going to show you who we are. They, they they made a big deal of never being caught out in public with their faces. Nobody knows what they look like. So on pre, this pre cell phone days, you could this, do this sort of thing. This comic book cover that you go through a little journey of this journalist trying to like see their faces, and finally they show their faces. They take their masks off. It's just their masked faces underneath the masks. There's something and, very beautiful about that. And then, but what's great is that the final panel of the album is the reporter looking back at us and saying, I still think they stink. 
<laughs> yeah, they're kind of like they they a they're lot of their their like public commentary is involves them sort of having to take a very high and mighty view towards critics and be like, we're for the fans. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. But you know that they're kind of insecure about it. They wouldn't talk about it so much. But you're right. Unmasked is great. Can can we play Is That You? Do you like that song? Yes, or did play, you have a, no, no, a song in mind? No, no, play it. I would just I, say that the Raspberry's influence here is strong. And do you think that's the, the, via Paul? Yeah, and I think Shandy is a good song. <laughs> I think Tomorrow is an awesome song. That sounds like a straight-up power pop song. Naked City is also a great song. That's that's a Gene song. <laughs> it's taking the you know, the great Dragnet or what, what it was at the... What was it? The Car 54? Where are you? Oh, yeah, who, yeah, yeah. Who, who did the Tales of the Naked City? I, I don't. I it's, don't it's know. It's a famous enough. sort of noir detective thing about there's there's hundred thousand tales in oh, the yeah. naked city, and but Gene thought that thought that to me, these people were actually naked, like it's, <laughs> <laughs> and then like let's write a song about that. <laughs> okay, continue. Play. All right. So here's the first track. Is that you? Which I just think is is has such a poppy hook. It sounds great. It's Paul singing, and uh, it, but it's so per. It's like. Kiss doing their sleaze justice, I think. That's a really great song. It's a great song, and it, it to me, it's like evidence because I found it. I hear it on his that solo record, but it's the first time I really hear it. Maybe on Love Gun that Paul Stanley has actually learned how to write songs. And you know, one of the great lines in Klosterman's, uh, he quotes Rob Sheffield from Rolling Stone, said, "You'd be hard pressed to name another band that wrote all its own songs over such a long period of time without ever learning how." <laughs> and then Klosterman says, "Here again, I am forced to disagree, even if I can't think of another band that fits that description better." Uh, I think that that record. I totally agree with you. It was the big surprise to me. Torpedo Girl, I could is not as good. Ace brings in the two sides of the same coin. Is a great song. Yeah, that's a great song. Um, But Uh, he's really wearing thin at this point. But we have one final gasp, right? Man, do we? And this is the next record. It was the first record I, I got even before I got alive. Uh, I think I, ha- I had... You a- had this before you had a live. I had this before I had a live. And I'm only now, after this, doing this very deep dive with you, have I realized what an affront this record was. And we're talking about music from The Elder, which is a 
<laughs> it's just their attempt at a concept record. They get Ezrin back to do this. Um, Gene has some sort of story, some mythological story that he wants to set to music. It's very unclear what the story is, if it was ever clearly defined. There sounds like there's a lot of cocaine involved in this record. Yeah. But um, I think... But Cla- not Gene. Not Gene. Gene, his only, his only vice is the ladies. Um, but they have... Uh, it's it's like a soundtrack for a movie that never existed, mm-hmm. but a movie that I'm not sure even was ever intended to be made. It's like Gene had just read uh, a, a book by Joseph Campbell and was like, "I need to tell the hero's journey." And we know that Gene is obsessed with Ayn Rand. Like, and oh, okay. that, it, it comes out on this record. And yeah, Gene is I. like, and when you listen to Gene talk, everything is about me, 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 I, 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 and like <laughs> I'm totally responsible. If I did this, you can do it. I mean, it's kind of. He's just, he's like basically the... the he's endless. He's endless. He's hes um, hes unbelievable. And that's why it's kind of impossible to look away. But you have Music from the Elder, which starts out with <laughs> with fanfare. And then it goes into Just a Boy, into a song called Odyssey, which is... Um, do you know Odyssey? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the one where Paul <laughs> sings it. And it's like he's singing it in a, you know, like a falsetto the whole time. Oh, I'll yeah. just play you a few, few bars. quoted as saying there's some good material on the elder but this is not kiss true and now that i've gotten to know kiss yeah i completely agree <laughs> the only song that sounds like kiss remotely on the whole record well there's two songs the song uh dark light by which is an ace song co-written yeah. with lou reed, lou reed who does actually contributes here and there on other songs as well and lyrically yes and the song the oath i think is like an amazing song I like a world without heroes. It's corny, <laughs> I but like the chorus. I, I, you know, hey, if if we're talking kiss, like if you're not talking corny and just pure fun, then what are you talking about? I mean, the, you have to go all in with this group, and um, the elder is going all in where they went all in, and they they end up reacting completely. They, they disown it, unbelievable. You know, uh, I think they're going to come back to it. By the way, at some so? point, when there's some sort of like cult appreciation of the album. Gene will say, well, of course, I knew all along. I mean, I appreciate that. I think as a record, it stands up. I think it doesn't sound like Kiss, and I understand why people were super upset, but I like... They're not on the cover, man. I I like pretty much every song on on that record. It's fun. It's, uh, again, it's uh, audacity elevated to an art form. Yeah. It has, it's like Atari crossed with Lord of the Rings. Right. And uh, you know, they we we skipped over the fact that they made a movie called uh, "Kiss Meets the Phantom," which is 
apparently one of it's very hard to find because the only way that you can find it is it was released on some DVD companion to one of the box sets but they edited out all of Ace's lines and everything Peter says in it is already overdubbed because he was too drunk to do the uh, and Paul is might be the worst actor I've ever seen in my entire life unbelievably bad and they have these ridiculous accents you're looking for someone but it's not Kiss um, but it's very, very entertaining. I mean, it it fulfills a, a fantasy checkbox for them, which is that they did a a, a movie that's like Hard Day's Night. Or he said they said they wanted to do Hard Day's Night crossed with Star Wars. And there you they go. Ended up getting they ended up getting base. What's more like Phantom of the Paradise, right? Um, but a lot worse. And there, oh. there's and they didn't put it in nearly enough music in it, which is and he Paul said madness. he just watched it and like hit under the under his chair the whole time he couldn't believe how bad it was uh, i mean paul's you can pretty see ruthless. it on youtube along with a, a wonderful uh interview with tom snyder in on halloween eve of 1979 and that's really when you get to see the four guys basically it's the beginning of the end it's like you know, they're let it be they're 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 fighting for attention from each other every second of that interview i wouldn't say it's like contentious because i feel like it's just another day for them um we just happen to get to see it and, and so and does Ace tom snyder st- steals it he's wonderful but <laughs> i'm trying to articulate if i want to be do you want to talk to me yeah. <laughs> no but now we've gone through their fantasies okay. or their things well, like well, that. Let Ace tell you about the toys science got under the ground. I'm, into, I'm into technology i'm into uh, i'm fascinated by the fact that uh Five or ten years from now, we'll be able to have a space station circling the Earth that is totally controlled and energized by solar energy. That is totally independent of the Earth. I think that's fascinating. Would you care to tell our audience what you were doing at four o'clock this morning? No. (laughs) I don't want to get arrested. (laughs) No. Actually, seriously. uh, Actually. I'm I'm a Taurus. I'm a down-to-earth human being, and uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but it's very clear that there are two parts of this band, and the look on Gene Simmons' face throughout the entire interview—it's—it's. If you haven't watched it, you need to watch it. Basically, it's great. And then, so I'm gonna lean on. They're in on, full makeup. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna lean on Klosterman for what happens next. Um, so he writes. Uh, But somewhere around 1979, a lot of odd and foreseeable things started happening in persistent succession. They made a disco album, Dynasty. Uh, Peter was fired. They made a concept album. Ace quit. They took off the makeup. They fired the guy hired to replace Ace. The guy who replaced the guy who replaced Ace got a bone disease. They sued a record label. They temporarily rediscovered popularity. The drummer who replaced Peter died from heart cancer. The original quartet reunited for... Uh, 144 million they created a 3D concert experience even though life is already three dimensional Peter quit twice, Ace quit again and was replaced by a guy who once painted Paul Stanley's house Gene blamed the internet for ruining music Paul played the lead in Phantom of the Opera and every original member wrote an autobiography and now it's today and Kiss are still my favorite band for reasons I incessantly attempt to articulate to varying degrees of imaginary success. (laughs) (laughs) It was just sort of a brilliant synopsis of of their glam, hair glam uh, days of the 80s and 90s and everything that came after. Um, so what are your top what are your what are your top songs? Have you, have you given that some thought? Or yeah, you, so you? I uh, 
I love the the demo of Deuce. Um, so the album version of Deuce cuts fades off pretty quickly on Ace's solo, um, and this sticks around a little bit longer, and it is awesome. Mm. Also, what I love about Deuce is um, that little hop he does uh, when he's strumming. Um, it's it's pretty incredible. It's it's like one of my favorite Ace moments. Ooh, also, Gene this. says "Biba" for the first <laughs> time, um, and Paul says "Do it." Um, so that that just goes down in in kiss kissery for me. Um, going blind, uh, come on and love me. Uh, I love, and the live version in particular is pretty great. You mm-hmm. get "Biba Biba." Um, I love. Is that you? Uh, so that's four and then, um, love gun. Wow. Those are, those are great. I can't wait to listen to a couple of those again. Cause uh, there's so many songs that have some, uh, kind of some iteration of come on and love me or love me like this, or I'm going to love you or <laughs> you better love me or leave me or there's that I kind of get there's there are iconic titles and then there's a whole slew of stuff that's basically just we're the horniest men on the planet right um and i by the way i want i want to point out i i'm very proud that you did drop the word kistery in here because these these puns it's another way that it's like the beach boys they're they're always bringing fun 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 back into it they're, they're, right they're always making these terrible puns about kiss and there's so there's the kiss army there's kistery is is what 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 uh Paul Stanley says. So here's my top five. Black Diamond is my is my is my is up there. I love it. Peter sings it, but oh, Paul sings the beginning. I th- I love the whoo. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. It just works. Uh, Going Blind is uh, the original version. Man, I love that song. I'm gonna put a Hard Luck Woman on it next. If you're a real Ooh, Kiss fan, yeah. you're gonna say this guy doesn't actually like Kiss because he likes all the songs that don't really sound like Kiss. Well, maybe you found me out because I don't <laughs> think they're very good, but I really, I really love them though. That's what's so strange. Uh, Shock me, the live version off of uh, uh, Live Two, and then if I'm feeling kind of bold, I might say the Oath off of Elder because I just love that song, or I would just go back to Strutter because I think that Strutter. Um, has some real je ne sais quoi. It you does. Know, they have a. It's I, the magic, man. I remember Gene was talking about um, what it was like to play with the guys again in 1996, and they'd had, you know, Bruce Kulick and uh, Eric Carr playing drums, and they'd had these guys who were incredible musicians. Right. But um, even he had to admit that when Ace and Peter got back up on stage, he's like, even though they're not as good. It had this. It's like he's like it's like biting into a really sloppy burger. It somehow tastes better. Like, <laughs> those are his words. Those are essentially. his words. He's like it's it. He's right, it's man. It's not as good. You know, Peter's got this sort of swinging thing. He's he's a little bit more of a drummer like Bunny Carlos, but a lot right. worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's some parallels to Cheap Trick, but a lot worse. Because Cheap yeah. Trick <laughs> also went out on tour with Kiss. Yeah, but Cheap Trick is a, a lot better. Yeah, but um, yeah. I just I love the fact that. You know, and and Peter's quoted at the time of the reunion saying, like, would I want to go fishing with Gene? No way. Would I want to go out to dinner with Paul? Not on this earth. You know, would I want to go drinking with Ace? I don't even, none of us drink anymore. He's like, but something happens when we get up on stage, you know? Right. And I think there is some alchemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, I, I did, when Klosterman says you can't be casual about it, although they're very easy to enjoy in the abstract and very difficult to enjoy in the specific, <laughs> I cut that entirely. But... If you really get in there to that 
the these strange confluence of factors there's some magic that I can't quite shake and on my way home today I'm sure I'm going to put on some kiss record absolutely and I don't know what it's going to be I don't know you never know what's going to hit I you. keep going back to dress to kill I don't think any of the songs are that good but I really like it yeah I don't know it's it's all about mood it's what it's <laughs> how do you feel like rocking today <laughs> <laughs> um so what should we send it out on i can't stand the rain yes <laughs> okay this is new york yo But the pain's gonna stay 